Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. Confessing Christ. Confessing Jesus Christ is essential to salvation. The scriptures leave little doubt about this truth. The Apostle John writes in 1 John 4.15, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Jesus himself said these words, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 10, 32 and 34. We must acknowledge Christ as Savior and Lord before people. Paul writes in Romans 10, 9 and 10, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Here's the point. True faith in Christ issues in confession of him. Confession can be defined as our consistent declarations before others that Jesus is the unique Son of God and our Savior to whom we give our supreme allegiance. Our Christian confession springs from a true and living faith in Jesus, the Son of God. What's involved in the confession of Christ? Obviously, our confession cannot be separated from the truths of the faith that we hold. So to confess Christ is to acknowledge our faith in him, who is, what he has done, and what he means to us. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit revealing this truth to us, as Paul writes in Romans. Confessing Christ involves our acknowledging certain truths about him. These truths are stated well in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into Hades. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. In brief, we confess that Jesus is the Messiah, is the eternal Son of God who came in the flesh. He became a human being through the process of a supernatural conception and a natural birth. As a Jewish male, he lived a sinless life. And in our behalf and for our sins, he died a substitutionary death on the cross and rose from the dead on the third day and after 40 days ascended into heaven. Paul writes in Romans 1 verse 4, He was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Confessing Christ also means that we acknowledge that he is Lord, all caps. This means more than the supreme leader or ruler. The confession of his lordship is is a confession of his deity. He is Jehovah God. That is to say, Yahweh, God, united to humanity. He is the God-man in one person. Paul brings this truth front and center in the hymn, the Christ hymn in Philippians 2, concerning his incarnation. 
It concludes with Paul using the words of Isaiah 45, verse 23, as pointing to and fulfilled in Jesus. The context, which covers verses 18 through 25, constitutes one of the most powerful Old Testament affirmations of the uniqueness of the God of Israel in the context of his redeeming work on their behalf. Here is the context and the passage itself. Yahweh, that's Y-H-W-H, translated Lord, all caps, in the usual English translation. Yahweh created the heavens. God formed the earth and made it. He set it up. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. This is what Yahweh says. I am Yahweh, and there is no other. And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. I have sworn by myself. The word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back, that to me every knee will bow, every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. Men will come to him, and all who are angry him will be put to shame. Henry Mould, in his Cambridge Bible Commentary, states that the meaning of the name Jesus that was given to him, the name Jesus was given to him, Because of his incarnation, the human name Jesus is acclaimed as the highest name. And the man Jesus thus comes to be acclaimed as Lord to the glory of God the Father. In another passage of Paul's, in Romans 14, verses 9 through 12, the name Lord ascribed to Jesus is again quoting Isaiah 45, 23. The passage reads, For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says Yahweh, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. That's Isaiah again. So then, each of us, will give an account of ourselves to God. Thus, Jesus is the sovereign king of grace over all of his people. To him, we swear allegiance, and to him, we are accountable. Now, having looked at the content of confessing Christ Jesus as Lord, let's consider how we confess Christ. The initial confession of Christ in one's personal experience occurs at conversion. The proclamation of the Jesus in the New Testament summons men and women to openly confess him when they come to believe on him. Chiefly, the initial response of one coming in repentance and faith in Jesus as the Christ is baptism, water baptism. On the day of Pentecost, Peter instructed the inquirers, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. When the Ethiopian eunuch understood the meaning of Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, he said to Philip, Look, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. 
And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Passage after passage in Acts and in the New Testament letters connect belief in Jesus as Lord and Savior with baptism in obedience to the command of Jesus expressed in Matthew 28, 19. Baptism is ordained by Jesus Christ as the ceremony of public confession and of an identification so that when Jesus died and rose again, he was doing it in my behalf and I, by faith, life, union with him, died with him and rose with him. So Christian baptism is a burial service for the old person of disbelief and the old way of life and a resurrection service to walk in new life that Jesus Christ has given us. See Romans 6, verses 3 and 4, and Colossians 2, 9 through 12. Obedience to the Lord Jesus requires that we confess him in the waters of baptism. This is the initial confession. Our lives as Christians is, however, to be a continual confession of Jesus as the Christ. We do this by identification with God's people. We consistently gather with one another and engage in the worship of his name. In the earliest Christian times, there were fragments of creeds or confessions of faith used in corporate confessions of Jesus as the Christ. The Lord Jesus, our King, ordained two public rites of confession. Initial faith is signified by water baptism, and continual faith is signified by the Lord's Supper. Each time we share in the consecrated loaf and drink of the cup, we proclaim Jesus as the Christ, and we proclaim his atoning death. I believe in that and his promised return to earth. However, the confession of Christ does not stop with our words and deeds in the gathered assembly. Our confession of Christ must go on outside of the church into the world. We are to boldly bear testimony to others of the message of Jesus Christ and his saving actions for us. Even more, as his ambassadors, we are to witness to the saving truths of the gospel. Every Christian is called to engage in the evangelization of the world by all of the God-ordained means at our disposal. We do that as we go wherever we are. Confessing Christ Jesus embraces the whole of a person's life. We must stand by him in the daily affairs by adhering to the principles and the commandments, imitating his example, sharing in his love and his word. We confess Christ by a set-apart Christ-like life. This form of confession is a growing reality that never reaches perfection in this life. Christ's likeness in motives, attitudes, and deeds must be our constant goal. Confessing Christ involves our heart, our mouths, our hands and feet, our brain, our words, and our action. It involves the whole person for the whole Christ. Here's the question. Are you confessing Christ? This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insight. And the next time, look to Jesus the Christ.